This is the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. To find out more about Keystone, visit keystonerdu.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. Today's message is very simple. Today's message is simply entitled Hope for the Hopeless. Hope for the Hopeless. If this is your first time at Keystone, you are our honored guest today. And man, God has really done a lot in our midst. We began on October the 1st, was our very first worship service here. And God has sent people to us every week. And we're just so grateful that you're here with us today. But hope for the hopeless. I don't know what your story is. I don't know where you're at in life. I don't know the good, the bad, the ugly. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if you're in a hopeless situation right now or you feel like you're in a hopeless situation. But at the end of the day, we want you to know that there is always hope. There's always hope. Hope originated in the beginning. I wish I could give you the exact date, but that date doesn't really exist because you see, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The beginning was literally before time began. The beginning. I wish I could give you that year, but I can't. Second Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 9 tells us that He, God, has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given to, to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Hope was originated in the beginning. Hope originated as Almighty God created this world and He said that it was good. He created humankind in His image and He stated that it was very good. Life, brand new and fresh, was good. It was perfect, in fact. Adam and Eve, the first man and woman, lived in a beautiful utopia called the Garden of Eden. And everything was perfect. There was so much hope. Hope for their future. Hope for their family. Hope for generations to come. So much hope. But as we so often see and repeated in our culture today, not everything that glitters is gold. That hope quickly brought with it the freedom of choice. And Adam and Eve were given the freedom to choose and the ability to choose. And as you would expect, when we have the ability to choose, so often what do we do? We choose the wrong thing. I don't know about you, but that's my testimony this morning is that when I have a choice, oftentimes I make the wrong choice. I could give you illustration after illustration this morning of that. And so as a result of this, hope was, was lost. Hope was lost. Satan, the fallen angel from heaven, came down clothed in the skin of a serpent, in the skin of a serpent, used his deceptive nature to lure Eve into a word that would change the world forever, and that is the word of sin. The word sin. The serpent convinced Eve that what God had really said to her wasn't the truth, and he convinced her to the extent that Adam, her husband, also gave in to the temptation, and as Eve and her husband Adam took a bite of the forbidden fruit, hope was lost. Hope was lost. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5, as by one man, Adam, we just talked about him, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And you know what? Sin requires a punishment. Sin requires a payment uh, to be made. And according to the law in the Old Testament, sin required blood being shed. And we see this at the end of Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve had sinned. What do they immediately do? They go cover themselves with 
fig leaves. They attempt to cover their sin by themselves. And what did God do? God came down, He talked with them, and He actually killed a goat and put the skin of a goat around them, signifying at the very beginning that when there was sin, there must be blood that was shed to pay for that sin. And that's, that's a cruel uh, truth there. And I, I hate to say that, but it is the truth. The truth is this, that there is a penalty for sin, and that penalty is that blood had to be shed. Verse 21 in Genesis chapter 3 says, And to Adam also to his wife did the Lord God make coats of, skin, coats of skins and clothed them, that skin of a goat there. And it was seen over and over again throughout the Old Testament. But none more clear than the children of Israel living in slavery in the country of Egypt. They were taken as slaves. And that death angel was going to pass over. And the rule for the children of Israel was that death angel would come into your house and he would kill the children. But if there was blood sprinkled upon the door, he would pass over that house. Once again, the blood being shed as a pay- payment for sin. You see, all hope was lost unless blood purchased salvation. Fast forward forward several hundred years, we're in the New Testament. In Hebrews chapter 9, we read, Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. The sin that had been passed down from generation to generation, from Adam and down to David, and continually on all the way to where we were in, in Jesus' day, it had to be dealt with. And it could only be dealt with one way, and that was by the shedding of blood. And if you're not as familiar with the Christian faith, maybe Christianity is a little foreign to the, you. You may have heard Christians speak of the blood of Christ. And they talk about the blood. And you'll even hear Christians sing about the blood. And I'll be honest with you, that can be a little bit awkward. <clears throat> like, who wants to celebrate that? I, I don't like, if you're, there are many people, and myself would probably be in this boat, like, I don't like to see blood. It makes me nervous. I don't want to see it. <clears throat> I don't want to sing about it. I definitely don't want to celebrate it. And so why do Christians celebrate that? The fact is this, even though it may seem uncomfortable, I want you to understand this morning that the hope of every Christian is through the fact that blood was shed to purchase our salvation. It couldn't simply be the blood of an animal because look in the Old Testament, they have been shedding the blood of animals for for years, for decades. They've been shedding the blood of animals. God wanted to take care of this penalty of sin once and for all. And so what did he do? He sent his one and only son, Jesus to this earth for one reason and one reason alone, to shed his blood and purchase the salvation of all mankind. You see, blood had to be shed to pay sin's penalty. Blood had to be shed. And not just the blood of of any animal, not just the blood, no, holy blood, perfect blood, the blood of, of Jesus. We have his name front and center today because that's what it's all about. It's all about him and it's all about Jesus. Every boy, every girl, every man, every woman, hope was purchased for every person by the blood of the perfect Lamb, the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. But who was that blood shed for this morning? You know, to to put ourselves back in that day and time, we would have thought that maybe that blood was simply shed for God's chosen people, the Jews. And that's what they thought. Hey, that blood was just shed for them, but... Jesus told us plainly in Mark chapter 2 and verse 17, it is not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Hey, listen, we're all on equal ground this morning. I don't care what your situation is today. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what, what the last 30 days of your life have looked like. I am a sinner 
and you are a sinner. And Jesus did not come to call the righteous. He didn't come for the church folks. He didn't come for the Pharisees. He came to call sinners. Sinners like me and sinners like you. Jesus came to bring hope for the broken, for the outcast, for the sinful, for the dirty, and for the downtrodden. In fact, Jesus, Jesus made it a habit of seeking the lost cause, the ones that no one thought would amount to anything, the rebellious, the haters. Jesus went after them. You may think that your doubts and your skepticism are too strong to be overcome, but let me tell you this today. Jesus loves you. And you may think today that you're too lost to save, but let me tell you today that Jesus loves you. Let me tell you that Jesus loves the haters, the rebellious, the disobedient, the doubters, the skeptics. Jesus loves you. And you may think that your sin disqualifies you from salvation, but in all actuality, your sin is the only thing that qualifies you for salvation. I want to say that again. You may think that your sin disqualifies you from salvation, but I want to tell you this morning, the only thing that qualifies you for salvation is your sin. Hey, if you weren't a sinner and I, were, and I was not a sinner, I would not need a Savior. The only thing that qualifies you for salvation is your sin. Jesus loves you. In fact, you are loved with a supernatural love this morning. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8 says, Let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. How many of you math people out there understand? In a math word problem, the word is means equals. God equals love. Here's a better way maybe for you to understand it. Love is not something God does. It is who He is. Love is not something God does. Love is who He is. If you're breathing today... God loves you. If you stumbled in today spiritually, God loves you. If your past is haunting you today, God loves you. If your marriage is a wreck today, God loves you. If, you're, if you lost your job this week, God loves you. If you feel like you're the worst sinner in the room today, God loves you. Your sin has been paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. Because your hope is in the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for the love of God. And I'm thankful that God loves me and God loves you when I deny Him, when I doubt Him, when I disobey Him, when I put everything else in front of Him. I'm thankful and grateful that I serve a God who recklessly pursues me in His love. And not only did Jesus die for you, but it's Easter. And His death was not the end. You see, for you and for me, one day, we're going to die. And you know what? At the end of the day, physically speaking, that's, that's the end of our lives. Physically speaking, we will exist eternally one day in heaven or in hell. But as far as it goes for our physical lives, we will die and that will be it. But we serve a resurrected king today. He stayed in that tomb for two days and on the third day, Scripture, in accordance with what Jesus had told his disciples numerous times, Scripture records that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. In fact, today, you can hop on a plane and you can go to the Middle East and you can see the tomb 
where Jesus lay. It's not a fairy tale. It's not something that was dreamed up. That tomb historically, legitimately exists. You can, you can go see it today. When he rose from the dead, he defeated death in his resurrection power. No other religious leader has ever done it, and no other religious leader ever will do it. The fact is this, I'm, I'm thankful today for all the medical advancements that we have uh, within, within 2018. I'm, I'm thankful for that. And there's some amazing abilities that, that we have to keep people alive when by all human accounts, someone should be dead. There's story after story of that. People that, that the doctors don't know, but they were able to keep them alive and they brought them back to life. But no medical explanation can be given for Jesus rising from the dead. He was gone. He was dead and he was buried. But you know, our loving God knew this. He knew that you and I would not be content worshiping a dead Savior. You see, I'm not content today worshiping someone who is, who is dead. I'm only content today worshiping a living Savior. Jesus was given the power over death and he rose for a reason. He rose to give you the same resurrection power of sin in your lives. He rose to put a distinction between himself and every other would-be Savior. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us this. If Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation is in vain. Listen to this. If Christ has not been raised, so is your faith. It's in vain. If Jesus Christ did not truly rise from the dead, then your faith and my faith is in vain. You see, the resurrection is of utmost importance. Without the truth of the resurrection of Christ, your faith and my faith is in vain. Tim Keller said it like this. If Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said. If he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about anything that he said? If Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept everything he said. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, then why worry about anything that he said? The issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like his teaching, but whether or not Jesus really did rise from the dead. If he rose from the dead, then we need to, to hang on every word. We need to believe on every truth if He truly rose from the dead. This Savior that we preach about this morning, this Jesus that we highlight this morning is alive today. He is as alive today as you are and alive today as I am. The song says He lives, He lives. Christ Jesus lives today and that is the truth. So what does that truth mean to you? What does that truth mean to me? Maybe you showed up today with absolutely no hope. Maybe you showed up today with legitimate doubts about Jesus, legitimate doubts about your relationship with Him, legitimate skepticism about is this all real. But today I want to boldly declare to you that God sent me here and sent us here today to tell you that hope awaits you. Hope awaits you. John 1, chapter 12 says, But as many as received Him... To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his 
name. Hope awaits you this morning. And I'm calling you today to believe in this Jesus, this resurrected Savior. I'm calling you today to repent of your sin. The sin, remember at the beginning, the sin that we inherited from Adam and Eve? That sin, I'm calling on you today to repent of that sin and to believe in the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. To believe that He died and was buried and three days later that He rose again the day we celebrate today. Here's what I'm not asking you to do today. I'm not asking you to come back to my church. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm not asking you today to donate to our ministry or donate to charity. I'm not asking you today to clean up your life. I'm not asking you today to turn over a new leaf. I've met people that have turned over so many new leaves in their life they don't even know who they are. That's not what I'm asking you to do. I'm not asking you to try a little harder today. I'm not asking you to do a little bit more. I'm asking you to do one word. Surrender. Surrender. Surrender to the hope that awaits you. And His name is Jesus. Hey, listen, Jesus has been pursuing you. Jesus has been talking to you, speaking to you in your spirit. And I'm asking you to surrender. To surrender. I'm asking you to give in to the same Jesus who has been pursuing you. I'm asking you to call out to Jesus for salvation. The name that's above every name. I'm just going to grab this mic. Of course we get to the end. Of course we get to the end and the mics want to mess up even worse, right? I'm going to just repeat that because I think it, it deems repeating. That I'm not asking you to attend our church. I'm not asking you to donate to our ministry or to a, any type of charity. I'm asking you to surrender. To surrender today. To surrender to the hope that awaits you in the person of Jesus Christ. I'm asking you to give in to Jesus. He's been pursuing you and I'm calling you to salvation in the name that is above every other name. And that's the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. The hope that Jesus offers is eternal hope. It's the hope of an eternal home in heaven. The Bible says this, the gift of God in Romans 6.23 is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a hope not only of your eternal future, but of a, of a life changed today. You see, Jesus does not just want to give you heaven someday. Jesus wants to change your life today. Salvation is not a get out of hell free card. Salvation is a life that is changed. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says it this way, if any man truly be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Build all things are become new. At the end of the day today, Jesus is calling you and Jesus is calling me. For some of us that are believers, Jesus is calling you back to a closer relationship with Him. And you know that you need to be closer to Him. Hey, you know that there's things in your life that you need to, 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 to focus back on Christ. You know there's some things in your life you may need to get rid of this morning. There's some things in your life that you need to change. And so I'm calling you to that. But most importantly today, I'm calling those who have never began a relationship with Jesus Christ who do not know that heaven is their home who would not say today that they could firmly look at me in the eye and say that I know that I know that Jesus Christ is my Savior I'm calling you today to make the most important decision that you'll ever make in your life you see remember at the beginning we've all sinned because Adam and Eve sinned and they passed their sin down to us hey we have all sinned 
And we've come short of the glory of God. At the end of the day, God is perfect and we are not. God exists in heaven, lives in heaven. Heaven is perfect, we are not. If we died today in our sinful state and we went to heaven, heaven would no longer be perfect. Just makes logical sense. Something had to be done. A payment had to be paid. And we talked about the blood sacrifice today. You know, 2,000 years ago plus, Jesus Christ walked on this earth. He lived a life that you can't live. He lived a perfect life. Try your best. You can't do it. Give your, give your all. You're not perfect. Jesus Christ lived the perfect life that you couldn't live. And you know what he did? He died the death that you deserve to die. Every single one of us deserve to die that death. Remember the wages of sin is death. A blood sacrifice had to be paid for, death, for sin. Hey, I deserve to pay that penalty. Jesus Christ paid that penalty. And not only did he pay the penalty, he became our sin on that cross. That's what he did. And you know what? He died on the cross for you and he died on the cross for me. And it doesn't matter how bad of a sinner you think you might be. Hey, you're never too far from the reach of God's grace. I don't care where you're at. I don't care your circumstances. Jesus Christ died on the cross, was buried, and he rose again triumphantly. And you know what he, why he did that? He rose over sin, death, hell, and the grave. And this morning he can give you the freedom that you have so craved in your life. Hey, you know that inner turmoil, that struggle that you're having? The fact that everything you do never seems to be enough and your spiritual life is, is, is just ripped to shreds? Hey, Jesus can heal that. Jesus can heal that. Hey, you know that, that fear that you have of, of tomorrow, that fear of not knowing about tomorrow? Hey, listen, Jesus can comfort that. This has been the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. For more information about Keystone Church, visit keystonerdu.com. Please subscribe to hear future messages. Thank you.